Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you're joining us by way of audio or video podcast, Facebook Live, uh, Etch-A-Sketch, Lightbrite, whatever it is you're using to connect. Cafe folks, we love you so much. Welcome to you. Open your Bibles, everybody, to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. We are second series in a message, a series entitled uh, Circles of Caring. And we're talking primarily about small group ministry, but it's really more than that. It's just about how to live the Christian life of loving one another and caring for one another and learning how to serve one another gladly. And that's where we go today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. I'm a little tired tired this morning. It's D-Now weekend. I had nine girls and leader girls, y'all. We, you know, we had one son ever and our son, all he ever did, like he lived in our house for 18, 19 years. He laid on the couch in his boxers and slept and ate our food. I mean, that's a boy. You know, and, and girls are high maintenance, y'all. I mean, they... <laughs> They take something. I, I, I mean, guys, you just feed them and, you know, and keep, you know, toilet paper and stuff, and they're good. But, man, they came in. I, you know, Jason always says, you know, when the kids get there, you tell them your house rules, you know, right away. So I do. And y'all know, y'all know I have, like, one rule, and that is, like, I don't care what y'all do Saturday night, just the preacher sleeps. Like, that's the rule. I don't care what y'all do, just let me sleep through it. So they came in about 2.30. I don't know where they had been. One of them may or may have a broken arm, but I'm sleeping, y'all. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm sleeping. Uh, I didn't hear a lot. Of, about 4.30, I knew they were still up. And I didn't hear him talking, but I heard him keep saying, so it's like, you know, if they would quit saying, shh, I could have really slept, but it was like, shh. But then this morning, like, it's like nine dead bodies and they could be, I don't know. I slept through it. But uh, I love it, y'all. I learned a new dance, the church clap. Have y'all learned the church clap yet? People get with it, y'all. Yeah, it, yeah, it, that's it right there. It, it is, it's it's like, you know, I thought I was up on stuff, but you're not, you know, you just got to stay with it. So church clap, I learned that Friday night. We played spoons till like two in the morning. Uh, it, it was good, y'all. It was really, really good. But God is uh, working in big ways in our student ministry. Uh, Jason and Caitlin Dunbar deserve a good Sunday afternoon nap today. And, uh, and I do too, <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Let's talk about serving one another. Uh, as you know, in this particular series, uh, we're doing small group lessons that have to do with, with particular Bible passages that teach us how to um, uh, learn how to take care of one another and be taken care of. In these morning sermons, I'm trying to focus on the one another's of Scripture. All of those places, and there are over 50, close to 60 one another's, just basic commandments where we are told how to relate in relationship to one another. And this is one of those passages in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. There are about three, and they're kind of stacked up on each other, and that helps us. So uh, let's take a look at what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 has to say, and we'll, we'll go from there. Jump in with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love to one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to, say the words, serve one another. Yeah, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? 
then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. I love that. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Like I say, it's one of those passages where the one another's are, 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 are stacked up. Continue to show deep love for one another. Love one another deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. We talked about love one another last week. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another. I, I love how in the New Testament it gets just that practical. And of all the things we are commanded to do for one another, show hospitality is near the top of the list. Y'all know what hospitality is, right? Hospitality is what? See, I was afraid y'all didn't know. This is why I get so few invitations. Hospitality is exactly what it says here. Cheerfully, cheerfully share your home. With those who need a meal or a place to stay, that's called hospitality. Why is it so important? Why? When I think about hospitality, I honestly think more about the senior ladies of our congregation. Uh, They have been schooled in hospitality. I, uh, to this day, I love to go to Wilma Guthrie's house. Wilma is primarily shut in these days, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't know how to show hospitality. She likes if you call ahead, if you're going to come visit her, because Wilma wants to be ready to receive guests. You understand that? Wilma has a front room. Her house is not that large. It's a beautiful house, but it's, it's not that large. She lives alone, but, but the front room is sort of the, the formal living room. And that is a room that is always kept with perfection because that's where she receives guests like me. So when I, when I call ahead and come, Wilma will be sitting uh, in that front living room because that's where she wants us to be. That's the nice room in her house. And she wants that for a guest. And when I come, she's got candy bars sitting beside a chair and those are for me. Now, it's not that I ask for candy bars or even particularly like candy bars. It's because Wilma thinks I'm too skinny. So true story. So Wilma will have like, I ain't complaining y'all. I mean, uh, Wilma will have Snickers bars in this little dish beside the chair. And I know they're for me, but she'll say, those are for you. And I'll say, that's great, Wilma. Thank you. I love those. I'll take them with me. She says, no, you'll eat those right here in front of me. Because she thinks I won't eat them. So, so anyway, I, I eat candy bars while, while we visit. And then more often than not, she'll have me wash the candy bars down with an ice cream sandwich. Uh, see, this is how you do it, y'all. This is what I'm telling you. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I go out, I'm like sugar coma, boom. Um, I'm telling you the truth. I, I eat candy bars and often an ice cream sandwich, and this isn't her insistence. I don't eat like that, but, but she wants me to, to eat. Um, now, in previous days at Woman's House, uh, I'd, I'd go to the table. She would should love to, to, to feed lunch. And this isn't just me, you all. This is a particular way of being in the world that some of these ladies know well. And it's really never been about the food. You know this, right? It's, it's never been about the formal living room or anything like that. Um, I've been friends with Wilma for years. 
When I was young, starting out in ministry, Wilma was my prayer partner. That was her idea, not mine. Um, I prayed with her. I think I learned to pray by praying with Wilma. Guys, there were cold winter days in ministry when I would go to her house for lunch. Not, a, not really invited. I just knew she'd have lunch and she'd welcome me and uh, homemade pimento cheese and potato soup and, and, and just uh, praying together. I mean, I, I love this woman. I love her. Where, where, where did that hospitality come from? Some of you would say, well, it's just being, it's, it's, it's Southern hospitality. That's how we do in the South. Or it's that particular generation of, 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 of Southern woman. And, and maybe all of that has something to do with it. But, but still, it, it, it is honestly a Christian virtue. It's a gift. And it's also an obligation. The Bible obligates us to this way of life. It, it says here, and it's not a suggestion. It's not just a Bible verse to throw away. It's, I know it says the word cheerfully, but it's still a commandment. We're supposed to cheerfully share our homes with one another, cheerfully. Know how to open up your door, let somebody come in if they need a place to stay or if they need a meal. This is supposed to be the Christian way of life. This is how we do with one another. Only this is not how we do with one another anymore. The, I, I'm doing a lot of funerals, and every time I bury another senior lady in this church, I mean, one more person who lives this way is gone. The rest of us don't live this way, and we need to stop and ask ourselves what's wrong. Are y'all with me? Y'all mad at me? I'll, I'll, I'll be never coming to y'all's house now after this, huh? No. First off, just think about your house. Now, I mentioned the senior ladies in our church, but have y'all been in most of our senior ladies' houses? They're not the houses like you live in. Most of us, when we got married and finished school and went to you know, have a house, we sort of expected to have a house just as good as our parents had. So a lot of us have been in this habit of sort of always moving up. And so a lot of us live in really, really nice houses, really nice houses. Now, I know there are houses nicer than yours, and that's what makes us feel okay about the house we live in. But we all live in really nice houses. Let's, let's just be really honest. My grandparents lived in a house that my grandfather built. It had four rooms and, and one of them was not a bathroom. Understand? Four rooms, four rooms, bedroom, bedroom, sort of living room, kitchen, four rooms. And it was tiny. Their whole house may have been about the size of the center section of pews. It's my grandparents' house. It makes sense. Y'all understand? Y'all remember grandma's house? It was tiny. It was tiny. And then at some point, my grandfather himself built a bathroom on the back of the house, which, you know, thanks, Grandpa. We, that was great. That, that, that was great. But it just made it awkward because when the whole family went for Thanksgiving, like, I mean, like there could be 30 of us in that little bitty house. That just means somebody was eating in every inch of that house. Like we'd set up tables and eat all over that house. Which means, like, if Mom LJ went to the bathroom during Thanksgiving lunch, it means, like, like you know, the, the, the door, you know, the bathroom door would close. We'd be like, I'm eating chicken and dressing right here, and he's on the other side of the door. You know, happy Thanksgiving. It was a tiny house. 
But, but honestly, as long as I live, some of the best meals of my life were eaten in that house. With You, you understand? I, I mean, so, so honestly, it's, it's never about the house. And some of the people who have the, the, the greatest ability to share hospitality, they don't live in, you know, a Joanna Gaines kind of house. It's just a house with an open door. See, here's the thing. A lot of us, when we built our houses, we built big houses because we like big houses. And we got extra bedrooms and we call it the guest room. I won't ask you to show your hands, but a lot of you have guest rooms at your house. Funny thing is, you don't ever have guests. My grandma never had a guest room, but people stayed in that house all the time. You got guest rooms. You don't ever have a guest you got a guest bedroom, and you spend a lot of money on, like, the entire bedspread and all of that, but you never, ever invite anybody to sleep in that bed. Matter of fact, some of you, you got your Christmas tree stuck in that guest room right now because nobody ever goes in there. Okay, okay. there's something wrong with us. Can we just be honest? There's something wrong with us. Amazing kitchen, you know, with granite countertops or whatever's in right now, you know, and shiplap. I watched Fixer Upper like twice, you know, shiplap everything, shiplap. But you don't ever have anybody over for supper. Like you, you think you will, you know, so like when you buy placemats, you buy like eight, you know, in case you have company, but you never have company because company's trouble. If you have company, you got to pull out the placemat <laughs> and move the Christmas tree out of the. I mean, you know, I'm not making jokes, you all. We don't have guests over because we think it's like a problem with housekeeping, like we have to clean the house. But I'm telling you, no. Your lack of hospitality isn't a housekeeping problem; it's a soul keeping problem. It's a soul-keeping problem, that, that there's something wrong, that there's something missing in our, in our soul. This is clear in, in Scripture. This is simply one of the ways we show love. We, we cheerfully share our home with, with, with people, but, but we don't. Now, I talked about this a little bit last week, and I want to pick up right there. Remember how last week I said that part of our problem is that we live in too many worlds we live in too many worlds, and every world we live in has its own network of relationships we have to manage, and it's exhausting. So you have work, and, and at work you have a certain group of people there. Maybe they're friends, maybe they're not friends, but one way or the other, these are people you spend a lot of time with, and you have to manage those relationships, and, and it takes a lot of energy. And, and you have family, sometimes family in town and family out of time, and, and, and kids and grown kids and grandkids, and some of you are raising your own grandkids. I mean, it's just a really, really full life with just family and all of these relationships to manage and crazy, you know, brother-in-laws and, you know, you know, you know kids that are crazy and, and you're trying to manage all of this. And then if you've got small kids that play sports, you've got all of these other relationships, this uh, practice schedule with, with all the parents who have all those kids and, and, and trying to figure out who's going to bring snacks at the end of the soccer game and, and, and on and on and on it goes. And you're managing, you can't even remember everybody's name. It's just all of these worlds you 
you live in and you don't even really know your neighbors. You know, it's like the you know, crazy guy with the El Camino and, you know, you know, the lady with the poodle and you don't even know these people, but still there's this obligation to be nice, to wait, to be polite. But, but the fact is our lives are just so crowded. Our lives are so crowded with, with, with people so that we really don't even have any actual relationships. of all of these people around us all the time and then you throw church into that and the preacher saying we should love each other and care for each other and have each other over for supper and good night. I mean, you know, that's just never going to happen. And I just want you to understand why. It's a soul-keeping problem. There's something profoundly off about the way we live our lives, the way we could just never slow down and have somebody over for coffee. I mean, the way we'd rather sit in church and stare at the back of somebody's head than have them over to our house and stare at it from across our own coffee table. I mean, we, we just don't even live in our houses. We don't even live in our own lives. So, so let, let me say this. It, it, it's what I want you to understand about hospitality. It's a Christian virtue and gift. No question, that's in the Bible. It's a Christian virtue, which means this is something we all should aspire to. This isn't just something for old Southern ladies with Snickers bars handy. Understand, this is a way of life for all of us. Hospitality is a Christian virtue and gift. But before it's about letting people into your house, it's about letting people into your heart. See, the thing is right now, it's not that you don't open the door and let people into your house. The thing is, you don't let people into your life. Your life is too crowded. When people see you and meet you, they get the point. You don't have room for friends. You just don't have room. You don't have time for people. So nobody expects that from you. So honestly, you live in a world full of people, but nobody really ever gets that close to you because it's clear. I mean, I mean, you give off the signal, you don't have room. Your life is crowded. You're busy. You're crazy busy. You're not even home. You don't even eat supper at home. What are we talking about having somebody over for supper? You don't even eat supper at home. Your life is too crowded. Your life is too busy. And I'm telling you, this is a soul-keeping problem. You're not supposed to live that way. God doesn't intend that you live that way. Uh, Understand, God gives you 24 hours a day to live. And I, I promise you, everything that he has for you to do, he's given you enough time to do it. So if at the end of it all, you don't have time left over, you're putting a whole lot of stuff in there that God never meant for you to do. I mean, God intended that you work really, really hard, but that you also have a whole day of rest. I mean, understand, and God blessed you with this home with extra rooms. Why in the world can't you ever have somebody over? Look at this amazing table, this kitchen. You know, you don't even plug half the appliances in. It's all for show. And, and this whole life that you have for show, it's empty. This is a soul-keeping problem. You gotta make room in your life. You gotta cut some things out. Make room for some real friends. I mean, honestly, real friends, like people that you could have over and not even feel like you have to pick up the living room. Just have them over because it's not a show. You don't have to convince them of anything. You're not trying to put on anything. It's just about sharing life with somebody that you care about. Wouldn't you love to have friends like that? They can just walk in and you never stop to think about, oh my goodness, there are dishes in the sink. There are dishes always in our sink. That's why we got one of those really deep sinks. <laughs> True story, right? Yeah, yeah. 
We got dishes. You got dishes from Christmas down under there, you know? It's a deep sink. It's awesome. You know? You don't even have any friends. You don't have any friends. And it's because you don't live a life that has room for people. Hospitality of heart is, is what comes first. And this is what you lack. You got the house. It's an amazing house. But honestly, it's the heart that is way too crowded for people. Y'all with me? Think you could do something different about that? Let's keep going. Verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I love this. That, that word, the great variety, the Greek words there really literally mean um, multicolored. It's this idea that God has this rainbow of spiritual gifts. And I know sometimes, you know, Paul in, in other places in scripture will kind of give a list. And, and Paul was trying to give you examples of the kinds of things that are spiritual gifts. But people get all led astray, I think, by those lists because it makes them think that, this is, that these are the gifts. I've got to have one of these nine. And you may not have one of those nine. Paul is just like, you know, naming gifts off the top of his head. He never meant to say these are all the gifts. Find one. No, no. I mean, I think Peter helps us here more by just saying, you know, God has given each of us a gift from his great variety, from this rainbow of spiritual gifts. It's this amazing variety, amazing diversity. And notice what the gifts are for. Use them well to serve one another. Serve one another. This is the purpose. This is the purpose. This is everything. This is where you're going to find happiness in your life. When you begin to do things for other people, Christ wants you to serve others. He wants you to serve others. You serve others with, with the gifts he gives you. Now, I know we get all tied up in nuts. It's like, well, Pastor Jim, I don't know what my gift is. No idea what my gifts are. It's because in, in church, we've often made it look like, like a talent search. Like, you got to find your gift. And, and it might be singing in the choir, except, you know, some of y'all can't sing. I mean, you just can't. We got to find you something else to do because you can't sing. And, and there are lots of things that some of us just can't do. I mean, we need more children's workers all the time, but some of y'all aren't going to be good with kids. I've seen you with your own kids, you, you know? It's just, this isn't your gift. We got to find you someplace else, you, you know, to serve. And that's the thing, when, when you start to feel like it's, it's, it's like this talent show, where you're going to have to speak in public or maybe find something to do on the stage at church. And, 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 and this is where we're getting sort of off on the wrong foot. You don't find your gift by looking for what you're good at. You may not be good at much. I mean, honestly, it's, it's not like America's got talent. We're not looking for you to learn how to play the musical saw. You understand? We're looking for you to learn how to help other people. So here's, here's a little clue I'd give you. You don't find your gift by looking for what you're good at. You find your gift by looking for what others need. You look for what others need, and then according to the scripture, you just do everything that you can possibly do to, to help them. I, I think that's better. Because I think whatever your gift is, if we call it a gift, it's going to have something to do with your ability just to see, just to see this need in other people. And you're going to be there, and chances are you won't even think much about it. 
That ain't going to think a whole lot because it's going to seem so ordinary to you. A spiritual gift isn't necessarily something that people will put you on the church stage and pay you to do. Understand, it's not a talent thing. It's a helping others thing. So stop sort of looking inside for your gift. Just look around you, look at what other people need, and then you just get busy meeting the needs of other people. And I promise you, I promise you, I'll give you a million-dollar guarantee. You just get busy meeting the needs of others as you see them and understand them, and you will inevitably discover what your gifts are. And it may never seem like much. You just may have the gift of casserole. And that's not even in there. It's not even in there. But my goodness, have you ever, the day I came home from cancer surgery, Carlene Smith nearly beat me home with food. That's beautiful. Understand? Understand? Yeah. Now, Carly, it was wonderful, but it wasn't fancy, was it? It wasn't anything fancy. It's just like food, you know, in like disposable Tupperware, you know. Um, it healed my body, but it ministered to my soul, you know. I, I mean, you, you, you can do that kind of thing. It's not hard. You look for what other people might need and then you just do everything you can do. I mean, do you have the gift of helping others, he says? And do it. With all the strength and energy God supplies, do it with all the strength. And I mean, just do it with like you're killing snakes. I mean, just get busy, go do it. Get busy helping other people. Does this make sense? Is there anything hard about this? It's a spiritual gift, you all. This is what it is. You use your spiritual gift to serve one another, to help others in need. So just look for what they need, and then you just get busy doing that. But, um, but now I, I, want, I want to stop right here. I, I want to talk about serving one another. You know that our theme for the year, as I've told you, is give yourself away. My concern, my concern from the beginning with this, our theme, is that um, the wrong people always hear stuff wrong. In other words, I've been preaching my heart out here for like 27 minutes on uh, serving one another. And, and I understand, I mean, only the Holy Spirit can get some of you to hear that. Some of you have not heard it yet, you know. I said that whole thing about hospitality, you didn't hear that. You laughed at you because some of the stuff I said was kind of goofy and you laughed about that. But you're not going to do anything different. You have no intention of doing anything different. Your house is a showplace for you and your spouse. And every now and then, if it looks really good, you'll take a picture and put it on Facebook. I mean, we are invited to see your house from across the miles on Facebook, but we'll never sit around that table because you're not having people. I mean, understand, you're not changing anything. I mean, I talk about serving other people and some of you are not gonna do anything for anybody. I mean, you've, you've sort of proven, I mean, that would be a radical change for you to start doing something for somebody else. I mean, you're all about people doing stuff for you and, and I'm like that too. I mean, help us. But then there are people in this congregation, and these are the ones we all depend on. It's the Carlene Smiths, you know, in her 90s, 
who break her neck to, to bring somebody food, you know, to get there, get it hot when they come home from the hospital. I mean, I mean, he's like, you know, God bless you, Carly. I didn't mean to say your age in front of everybody. She's over 60. I mean, God bless her. God bless her. But y'all know how hard that is for her? I'm, Carly, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but y'all understand how much easier it would be for like everybody else in this room. Like it'd be easier for you to have done that than, than for her. But then, it never, I mean, y'all you just don't even do it. You just don't, you don't. But then the people in this congregation who do, they, they hear this sermon and it just crushes them. I mean, I know individuals in this house right now who are crushed by this sermon. It's the, it's the little ladies who already do everything. And I preach this and they're just saying, Lord, help me, help me to do better. Help me to do, and you know what I mean? The people who really serve, they're hearing this sermon think, oh, I've got to do more. And honestly, some of you couldn't possibly do more. You couldn't possibly do more for others. And this is what I'm saying. This is a hard, simple message, but hard for most of us to hear. Because some of us are just very inclined to help others and do for others. And this message just heaps more guilt on you. You feel like, oh my goodness, I've got to do more. And others, man, you're just thinking, when's it going to be done? You know, I got you know, to get home and get my wife to make lunch for me. So, so, so let's, let's look real basically about what serving is and what it's not, okay? I want to call your attention to what the scripture says. Do you have the gift of helping others? Verse 11, do it from the strength and energy that God supplies. It's very interesting, very interesting, right there. It's a principle of Christian service. You must serve from a position of strength, not weakness, you have to serve. I mean, this is Christ. We're talking about Christians. We're not talking about how you're just supposed to be a doormat for people. Like serve everybody means you just lay down and everybody walks on you. That's weakness. And the implication here is that what Christ has for us is that we serve out of strength. You must serve from a position of strength. I mean, he says it clearly. When you help others, you do it from out of the strength that Christ supplies. So, see, the, the problem is some of us help others, but we're not doing it from strength. We do it from weakness. We do it from weakness. Now, now follow me for a second. Let me say this. You become a servant. We're talking about serving others. You become a servant to whatever or whomever gives you what you think you need. You become a servant to whatever or whomever gives you what you think you need. And honestly, what a lot of us really need is, is love and affection or attention. And so some of us, we serve others, we help other people, but honestly, we're doing it out of weakness. We're doing it out of our own need. So some of us, we do things for other people because we just want them to like us. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying that that's something different from what Jesus means when he says, you serve people out of the strength I give you. You understand? Jesus serves out of strength, but, but some of us, we serve out of weakness. We serve out of fear. We wait on our husband hand and foot because we don't want to have to deal with him when he's mad. You understand? This isn't Christian serving. This is something else. This is, this is a, a toxic kind of relationship. And I don't want you to think that Jesus is calling you into that. Are, are y'all with me? 
Lots of us serve out of weakness. We serve out of fear. We don't want to be alone. And so the only way we feel like people will have us in their lives is if we're always doing something for them. So we constantly serve, but it's just a way to try to, to try to have friends, a way to try to be in there. But understand, that's weakness. That's, that's serving out of neediness. And we all have needs and we're all weak. I'm not condemning that. But I'm just saying what Jesus is calling us all to when he calls us to serve one another is different from that. It's to serve out of strength. Now, what you most deeply need is found in Christ, not people. So when I say that, that I'm needy and I am needy, I, I do want to be loved. I, I do want to feel that I'm important, but that need must be met in Christ. If I go to people so that people can make me feel loved, the problem is you can't possibly love me enough. I, I can't get enough love from people because my heart was created to be filled by the love of God. And so there's not a human being in the world who can fill me up if I'm empty. Only Christ can fill up the empty place in me. So understand, you think that what you need is found in people. And so you find yourself in relationships where you're constantly just, just laying yourself down, just, just sacrificing yourself in order to get something from people. But what you need only comes from Christ. So understand, you get your needs met in Christ. All the affection that you feel like you never got anywhere, you find that in Christ. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you just the way you are. You can't do anything that makes him love you more. And you can't do anything that makes him love you less. He just loves you. And that's the love that will fill your heart. That's the love that will satisfy your heart. So you think that you're gonna go out and find yourself a man who's gonna love you the way you've never been loved. And I'm telling you, oh, sweetie, you are gonna have the hardest life. Because if you're an empty woman out looking for a man to fill you up, oh my goodness, the only kind of man that an empty woman attracts is an empty man. You're in for so much hurt. Please, empty-hearted woman, empty-hearted man, you go to Christ. You let Christ fill your heart. What you most deeply need is found in Christ, not people. So understand, don't serve others out of your own weakness and neediness. Serve them out of the strength and fullness Christ gives you. Serve out of the fullness and strength that Christ gives you. In other words, you've got to need people less so that you can love them more. Y'all with me? Y'all looking at me like I just went crazy. The scripture says, serve people out of the strength Christ gives you. So if you're serving people out of the neediness that you've always had, understand that this isn't exactly the life Christ is calling you to, and that kind of service is not satisfying. It's always going to leave you somehow feeling unappreciated. It's going to leave you feeling resentful. I do all of this for them. They never do anything for me. Do you understand? It's because you're serving out of your neediness and not out of the strength and fullness that Christ gives. You got to need people less. You don't go to people, you know, trying to fill up the needs only Christ can meet in you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk to the people who don't understand what healthy serving is. I'm trying to talk to the people who just lay down and let people walk on them and they think that that's just what this is, is pleases Jesus. And that's not the way of Jesus. It's, it's, it's just not. In other words, you can serve people and you can also say no to people. Y'all looking at me. You can say no to people. Look at all of the places in scripture where Jesus says no to people. Jesus doesn't just go around doing what everybody wants him to do. Jesus goes around doing what the Father wants him to do, what the Father has sent him to do. Jesus has this incredible sense of mission and purpose and fullness in relation to the Father. And so when Jesus steps out into the world of people, understand he is there to give his life away for people. He's there to give his life away for the sake of of saving people. He's going to die for people. But at the very same time, he does this from this amazing place of strength. It's, It's voluntary, completely voluntary. You must say no to people who want you to do things for them that are not healthy expressions of Christ's love for them. So in other words, people just want you to do stuff all the time and you feel like you can't say no because you're a Christian. But I'm telling you, sometimes you keep saying yes to people and you're going to hurt them. Helping can hurt people when you're doing things for them that, that number one, they should be doing for themselves. And number two, the things that, that do not show a healthy expression of Christ's love for them. I mean, you just do things for people all the time and they never learn how to do for themselves. That's not helping them. Or they never learn how to rely on Christ. Or they never learn how unselfishly to to not use other people but learn to love people. I mean, you understand? Sometimes in our desire just to always say yes to people, we're not helping them at all. We're actually helping them to remain very, very far away from Christ. We're sometimes helping them to live a life that that is in no way an expression of God's will for them. And that's not love. So, So understand, you can say no to people. Serving others according to scripture, it really isn't about just not being able to say no. No, we say yes and we say no, but we do this out of a strong sense of love and strength and fullness. I mean, we want to help others by meeting their needs. And that doesn't mean just giving them everything that they want. That's not always good for people at all. John chapter 10, verse 18. These are Jesus's words. So understand, if our example is Jesus, this is what it looks like. And Jesus says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it, say the word, voluntarily. Voluntarily. For I have authority to lay it down when I want to and and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Interesting. Jesus gives himself away. He lays his life down, but he makes it clear. Nobody takes my life from me. I do this voluntarily. I I, I sacrifice myself out of a sense of what the Father wants me to do. I don't sacrifice myself because I, I don't know how to say no. I'm not sacrificing myself because I feel unworthy. No, he's God in the flesh. He's not unworthy. He lays his life down for the sake of others, but he knows how to do that in a way that saves them and doesn't just leave them in the prison that they're already stuck in. Understand? No one takes my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. 
So we're talking about serving one another, right? This is what we're all called to do. So let me give you just a few final lessons about serving others. Number one, you will love and value others more when you know that you are loved and valued. You're serving others, but you're doing this from a position of strength, from a position of being loved and valued eternally by your father. You're not serving others because, because you're not worthy of you know, sitting where they sit or doing what they do. I mean, you understand, you voluntarily do this out of a sense of what Christ has done for you. you. You will love and value others more when you know that you're loved and valued. If you're serving them out of this sense of horrible shame and unworthiness, that's not exactly what Christ is calling you to. Does it make sense? You'll love and value others more when you know that you are loved and valued. Number two, you will serve others best when you know that you have something worthy to offer. You've got something worthy to offer. It's it's your life. It's the most precious gift in the world that you have to give. And so understand, when you really understand that that, that you yourself, because of what Jesus has done for you, you, your life is worth something. Your time is worth something. Everything that you have to offer is is worth something. Then understand, you'll serve, serve others best when you understand that. I'm not trying to make you proud. I'm not trying to somehow make you feel like you're better than others at all. No, I'm just trying to make you understand that, that in this place of servanthood that Christ has called us to, you're going to do that better when you really understand that you have something valuable to offer. That's why in Scripture it's usually used in the language of gift. You've been given something special that then you can give to other people. You understand that? What you have, it may seem ordinary to you, but it's special. So, so give it to others, understanding that you've got something valuable. You've got something worthy to offer. And, and then last, it comes from the last verse here. God is glorified in your life when you use the strength he supplies to serve the world he loved. You use the strength he supplies and then you just serve the world he loves. Isn't that what it says? You have the gift of helping others, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies, then everything you do, you get that? Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. When you use your gift of helping others, do everything you you can do with the strength and energy God supplies, then everything you do brings him glory. We're supposed to serve one another. That, that means any time that I'm in your presence, I'm more focused on your needs than mine. I'm more drawn to what I can do for you than, than what you can do for me. And understand how that works. It's just the most amazing picture. Because uh, can you imagine what that would be like to, to get into a group where everybody is just focused on taking care of everybody else? In that sort of situation, there'd be no reason ever to think about yourself or to try to take care of yourself because that's what everybody else is already doing. That's why in the scripture, one place it says we're supposed to outdo one another in showing honor. The body of Christ is a place where every single person comes into the room with a heart full of love and strength and energy 
and then we give it all away to others. It's called serving, and that's what we're all called to do, serve one another. Let's pray. God, there are some of us who are in such a habit of being served that we can hardly imagine what it would be like to, uh, to step down from our high horse and, and, and start doing for others, Lord. Some of us, ooh, we've, we've become so accustomed to being waited on. Lord, we may be good tippers, but we sure like placing our orders, Lord, and, and, and uh, We've gotten to the place where our children, our spouses, Lord, our coworkers, or everybody around us, Lord, it just really becomes about what they can do for us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just wreck our hearts in such a way, Lord, just crush our hearts so that you can reform them so that our hearts will be more like your heart. Lord, make us so that we truly do understand that we ourselves are loved and valued, that our Savior, Jesus, God in the flesh, has come down and given himself away for our sakes. So so now, out of that great love, out of that great gift of salvation, Lord, we can now serve others, give ourselves away freely and voluntarily, knowing, knowing that as much as we give, Lord Jesus, you will continue to refill our hearts. Lord, when we give things away out of the strength and energy that you supply, Lord, we will always have more to give. So teach us, Lord Jesus, to follow your example. Lord, I pray that you would give us this great hospitality of heart, that we might have room in our lives for people, for other people. And then, Lord, help us to use all of our strength, all of our energy, Lord, everything you've placed in our hands, Lord, may we just give it away for the sake of loving others. Pray these things in the name of Jesus who gave himself away for the sake of loving us. Amen.